Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. We're so glad you tuned in today, and if you're in the area, come out and join us at our new home, located at 3035 Nicolette Street in Banning. If you are unable to attend, you can tune in on YouTube Live at Calvary Chapel Sweet Hills, Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. And don't forget to join us for our worship on Instagram Live at Calvary Chapel Sweet Hills, 30 minutes before the YouTube broadcasts. We would also like to encourage you to check out our website at calvarychapelsweethills.org where you can keep up on the current messages, ministries, and happenings at Calvary Chapel Sweet Hills. Today our teaching is in the book of Acts chapter 16. Here's Pastor Ryan. And in our story, Paul the Apostle who was Saul, who lived a life contrary to Christianity who persecuted the early church as a as a as a zealous Judaizer himself was was touched by the Lord and gave his life to Jesus Christ and now the one who persecuted the church is now one of its greatest apostles and uh, testifiers to the reality that Jesus Christ is the Messiah the Son of God who came to save people from their sins and so Paul the apostle along with Silas another Jewish brother uh, Timothy whom they just picked up and and Luke who actually the physician, the Greek physician who actually wrote the book of, of Acts, he's with them as well. And so they're in Philippi of Macedonia, which is in modern day Greece. So if you look at your map, uh, it's in modern day Greece. And so the Lord on Paul's second missionary journey has taken Paul and his men to southern Europe. And so that's how far the gospel has spread from Jerusalem to Antioch and Syria, all the way up northwest to the, the southern part of Europe. It's true what the Lord said to the disciples and the early church in Acts 1.8. He said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the world. The gospel spreading and they are empowered by the Holy Spirit. They are empowered, they are led, they are motivated, and they are going forth all the way to Europe. And the word witness there in Acts 1 is from the Greek word uh, martus, which we get our word martyr from. The word martyr, it means one who by his death bears witness to the truth of the gospel. And when we die to ourselves, we bear truth to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I think that uh, to be an effective witness today in 2021, we need to remember that the word witness means to be a martyr. And that doesn't mean necessarily that we will die physically for our witness to Jesus Christ. But it is a reminder that a true witness is one who has died to themselves. And as believers, you know what Jesus said. Jesus said that if we lose our life for his sake, we shall find it. But if we try to save our life, if we try to preserve our life and, and, and live after our own understanding and our own will, we will lose our life. So in order for our testimony of Jesus Christ to be impactful, 
in this crazy world that we live in. We must remember what Jesus said. If you desire to follow me, to come after me, you need to die to yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. We need to die to ourselves in order for our witness to be impactful. Keep that in mind. We need to die to our self-will. We need to get back to that if we're going to be impactful. And I truly believe that our testimony, that our, our witness for Christ, gets less and less powerful when you and I know we're not really living for Christ as we know. The world can see through that. We need to die to ourselves, to seek the Lord daily, to say, what would you have me to do? It's still the calling. And, and people will get saved, I believe. God will use you and I. But we need to say, what do you want me to do? When Paul the Apostle got saved, he was, got, he was on his way to Damascus to, to go persecute more Christians, and he was knocked off his horse, horse by the bright light of the Lord. The first thing he said was, Lord, what do you want me to do? And, and he was blinded for three days. And then when, the, when he received his sight after three days, it was like he received nourishment. And then he began immediately to see how he can promote the name of Jesus Christ. Immediately, folks. Immediately. We must remember how things were when we came to Christ. Immediately we were saying, we'll do anything if you would just save me. If you would just save me, Jesus, we will do anything. That is when the witness is powerful. In our story, they are in Philippi. And as you know from last week, it was there in Philippi where they uh, came across a prayer gathering by women near the riverside or the river's edge. And these women were most likely Greek or Roman. They were not Jewish. But it was within these women that uh, they found that one of the women there was a woman named Lydia. And we were told that she worshipped the Lord. Now, how can they have a prayer meeting? How can they worship the Lord if they have not, had not heard the message that Paul and the men had to give them? Well, it's some Gentiles did, were not proselytes to the Jewish faith, meaning some Gentiles did not become Jewish, but some Gentiles actually worshipped Yahweh in the best way that they understood. You know what I mean? So they didn't, they didn't become Jewish, but they, yet they worshipped Yahweh in the way that they understood. And that's what it means by she was a worshipper of, of God. And then Paul the Apostle shared with her the truth of Jesus Christ. And we're told that God opened her heart to receive the message. And then her and her household believed and were baptized. And then she beseeched them or begged them to stay at her home. And she was a seller of uh, purple linen in Thyatira, which was known as being a a town of of great commerce. But many believe that Lydia was one who who had money of of, uh, great means because to invite four men to stay in her house meant that her house had to be pretty big. And so she was one that they believe was one who had great means. And that's where we're at in our story. Now it happened, as we went to prayer, that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. And so from leaving one prayer meeting and being at Lydia's home, Luke, the writer here, says, after that, as we went to prayer, again, there's this, 
continuation in the lives of the Apostle Paul and the men that were with him that they customarily prayed together, that all that they were doing for the Lord was supported by, driven by a lifestyle of prayer. And again, we must remember the importance of prayer in our individual lives as believers. If we've accepted Jesus Christ, prayer individually is so impactful and powerful. It is the source of our strength. But not just individually, but as the body of Christ as a church, it is the very source of our strength. Prayer is important. And as you see here that it happened as they went to prayer, that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met, met them, who brought her masters much profit in, by fortune telling. And so when was the distraction sent to them by Satan? When they were on their way to prayer. Satan knows how impactful and powerful prayer for the believer is individually. This is why for any of us who have tried praying, that the moment you, 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 you come to that conclusion, I'm going to pray at this moment, at this time. That either the phone rings or you spill something or someone's at the door knocking. I mean, what's, what is it with distractions hitting us when we are going to prayer? And I think that it is, it is an important reminder as they are distracted to, Lord, help us, help me, help you, Lord, not to let anything distract me when I come before you in prayer. Lord, help me to set that time aside and to do what must be done in my home so that there's peace to get, get the kids situated or wake up before the kids or, or, or just wake up earlier, stay up a little later, and my breaks at work to go pray. It is necessary in order for us to see our witness as Christians be effective. Without it, we're not going anywhere. We are spinning our wheels. We are on a treadmill going nowhere. It is only when we pray individually that we get strength and guidance and the Lord speaks to our heart, mixed with the reading of his word. It's very powerful. This is why Satan attacks it. This is why Satan will attack you and I attending a corporate church meeting. You know, our bodies become tired, our flesh is weak, but the spirit is, is willing. So we need to discipline our bodies. We need to find, you know, how to be more disciplined in our bodies. Maybe to get more rest or to eat a little better or to, you know, pre-plan when I'm going to, so that I'm able to make prayer. But I think the devil knows without a doubt how powerful prayer is. And maybe he knows how, how effective and powerful it is more than some believers. Because if we believe that it was so powerful, why are we not on our knees more at home? Why are we not? I know no other way to have the courage to come up here and share the scriptures with you. No other way than through prayer. I can't. I'll, I'll freak out. I'll, get, I'll be afraid of speaking in public. Because it's super nat. It's just, you know, I have to pray. So I don't know how Christians do Christianity without praying like we ought to. I just, it, it's not, nothing's moving. No one's being saved. No one's being invited to church. No one's weeping and crying for the lost saying, you know, there's no connection. There needs to be. And it's through prayer. In James chapter 5, 
You know it, chapter, uh, verse 13 through 16, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of, the right, of a righteous man avails much. Pray for one another. Confess your trespasses to one another. That speaks of communion. That speaks of fellowship. That means assembling with one another. So many people have told me within this church, can't people see that all this lockdown was also an attack on the church? Isn't it plain to some people? Of course it's plain, but to some, and I, and I wonder, where's the prayer? How, how is the, your prayer life giving you the green light to not, not go to church? Pastors, how do you keep your churches closed? Are you doing this with the Lord praying? Prayer meetings are essential. They're essential. If you have COVID, don't come to church. But if you don't, come to church. Prayer is my greatest encourager. It is my greatest encourager because God is my greatest encourager. And prayer is my time going before God, telling him I need encouragement. I need strength. I need boldness. I need utterance. I need love to love your people. I need wisdom. I need understanding. I need you, Lord. That's what it does. And then together, when the Bible says endeavoring to keep the unity of the saints, endeavoring. Endeavor means, you know, making a mission out of it, making it, you know, persevere through it. Make it happen. Fellowship, make it happen. Make fellowship happen. Endeavoring to keep the unity. And when we pray together, all misconceptions begin to die. All of a sudden, it's we love God and we love one another and we don't care about our differences. We love each other. And we begin as we pray together to believe all things, which love says that it believes all things. We begin to think the best of one another, not the worst of one another, which is the case when you're not with one another. You begin to think wrongly about one another. I'm telling you, I can feel and sense the disconnect. The wedge that's saying, and they're like, oh, this COVID thing's dividing the church. No, it's a lack of fellowship that's dividing the church. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us. The word spirit here is derived or translates into two Greek words, one meaning a demon and the other a python. The worship of Apollos was huge right in the area of Greece there the worship of Apollos and his sidekick if you will was a python and this slave girl was possessed by she and her masters believed it was Apollos but you and I know that she's demon possessed you can call it whatever you want to call it it's demonic right we must know this as Christians today because the hipster cool thing in Hollywood is to be spiritual, right? Not, no, no, not a Christian, not a Bible-believing Christian, but to be spiritual. Not traditional religion, but enlightened spiritually. 
Who knows more about yoga than the other? And in yoga, they're trying to shake the inner serpent. And we know there's a serpent. The serpent of old, the devil. So they can fluff it up. This world can fluff it up. Whatever false gods are out there, it can be a god of peace, they claim, or a god of philosophy, they claim, or a god of athletics, they claim, or a god of just humanism, whatever it is. And Apollos, he was the archery, archery god. But he was also like the, the enlightened uh, knowledge, philosophy, very humanistic, kind of like we are the world, we are superhuman, we can figure out our problems. It was just the self-life, Apollos. And his sidekick was Python. And in the city of Delphi, which is south near Athens, is where this stems from, the worship of Apollos. And they believe that the god Apollo was uh, embodied by a python snake, and that's what Delphi means, python, or it used to be called uh, python there, the, the name of the town. And the original priestess of Delphi was supposedly possessed by Apollos, and she can tell the, f- the future. But we know that the reality is that Satan, one of his demons, possessed this young slave, poor slave girl. And gave her the ability to predict the future. And there was big money to be had. And we read about it, that she made a lot of money for her masters, using her for money. They would go to these fortune tellers and seek out advice for their relationships, for their businesses, or other matters of the like. And today, people are searching, are they not, all over Instagram and and all over celebrities. Like, who has the word I need to just make this day better? Like, give me a positive thought or a positive clue or, you know, and they, they're like charlatans and they, they feel themselves to be enlightened. Let me tell you, what they need is Jesus Christ. What they need is the word of God. What they need is for our witness to be martyr style where we are dying to self. And we are willing to seek God and love our neighbor as ourselves so that they might come to know Jesus. That's what they need. And she brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he, and he came out, of, out that very hour. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And so here we see rather than physical persecution now they just got physically taken i get that that's not i'm not but before they were arrested satan comes after paul and his men not physically but but patronizing them he sent a demon possessed girl to patronize them to say a truth of God, which she did, right? She said, these are the servants of the Most High God. They proclaim to you the way of salvation. That is the truth, but she's proclaiming it from a life that isn't with them. She's proclaiming it from a life that is with the devil, but yet she speaks truth. She says it in an antagonizing way, no doubt. Day in and day out, she was saying this. And Paul was greatly annoyed. 
because it is annoying, it is greatly annoying when there's someone who you know doesn't love God, doesn't walk with God, but wants to tell you something spiritual about Jesus Christ. You're just like, please, show me some fruit. Show me that your life actually loves God and then share me some truth about God. God doesn't need, you know, a vessel that isn't for him. A vessel that is half-stepping, a vessel who doesn't really want to follow God, but you want to act, you know, spiritual. They asked Jesus, what work must we do to do the work of God? And he said, believe on him whom he sent. If we want to do the correct work of God, if we want fruit in our lives, then we must believe in him. Justifying faith, meaning I believe that he is and I follow him. I believe that Jesus is and I follow him. That's justifying faith. If you believe in him and follow him, you're going to heaven. If you believe in him and don't follow him, you're going to hell. So this woman was lost, this young lady. And God doesn't need that kind of publicity. It's like, you know, weirding people out. If you're going to do your Zodiac, don't mention God at all. That's what I mean. There's a lot of weird stuff and weird people cruise into the churches, all churches. What's crazy is that truth came out of her mouth. We have to discern, guys, nowadays. Just because truth comes out of a person, watch their life. Don't just say, they said a truth, so I'm going to bite it hook, line, and sinker because it's a Bible verse. You have to watch their life. You have to discern. Anyone can, can quote a scripture, guys. And it says in, um, in, in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, Paul would say, And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. God does not antagonize or use evil vessels to preach his word. In 1 Corinthians 14, 33, it says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. That's why we try to, we want to keep everything scriptural at our church. We want our works to align with scriptures. Because there's so much weird stuff going out there today. You ever see video, and I'm not condemning Bethel Church, but have you ever seen video of their prayer meetings? People twitch their head this way uncontrollably. They fall on the floor, they roll around, back and forth, twitching in a trance. And then someone put a video of Hinduism and Buddhism in uh, India of the movements of their trends and it's alike so if you don't see that biblically why are you practicing it god's not the author of confusion the spirit is subject to the prophets don't tell me your uncontrolled laughter and 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 come on the spirit is subject to the prophets the bible says god's not the author of confusion this is why we, we believe in tongues but we don't have it spoken openly in the church because non-believers come in and think that you're drunk but it's it's all right at a prayer meeting with believers it's cool you know but there has to be an interpreter too if there's no interpreter the bible says to remain silent it wasn't he wasn't pretending god wasn't just suggesting he says if there's the is there an interpreter to that yes okay what's being said oh there's no interpreter okay well then just just you know keep that for a later time in private it's a blessing to speak in tongues you know, in an unknown language amongst yourselves or amongst believers, but there has to be an interpreter or there's there, or no one gets edified from it. But it sure looks, you know, spectacular. And that's a problem with, with our, our brethren in some churches. They want to seem spectacular. When to look spectacular is to do what God says. Do with his scripture. Show me what are we doing. Does it align with scripture? 
Yes or no. But anyways, Jesus would say in Matthew 7, verse 15 through 20, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inward they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from, uh, from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, and every bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. And, and this can also speak to some churches who fall into the, the, the problem of trying to reach the lost with worldly means. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio with the Bible teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein. If you're in the area, come out and join us at our new location at 3035 Nicolette Street in Banning. You can also find us on YouTube Live at Calvary Chapel Sweet Hills, Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. If you would like more information or would like to send a gift to the ministry, check out our website at calvarychapelsweethills.org or you can call us at 951-572-2309. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. Cherubim, above.